Hi, you're listening to the podcast of Victory Santa Rosa. We pray that this message encourages you on your journey of faith in Jesus. Welcome to the third week of our series on Think Outside the Box. Think Outside the Box. Again, as we do this, as, as we do this particular preaching series, we're talking about finances. We're talking about what God thinks about finances. We're talking about the limitless provision of God for our families. And we would like to continue to embrace these biblical principles when it comes to viewing how God brings wealth to you, to your home, and to your businesses. Uh, I know we already asked you to stand a while ago. I'm going to ask you to stand again in honor of the word. And we're going, we're going to read from Luke chapter, uh, from Luke chapter 16 there. Luke chapter 16, we'll begin reading from verse 1. Verse 1. In fact, a, a bit of a lengthy passage. We'll read 15 verses. And as we read this passage, uh, let the word of the Lord minister to you already. We'll begin from verse 1. It says there, He also said to the disciples, There was a rich man who had a manager. And charges were brought to him that this man was wasting his possessions. And he called him and said, What is this that I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management for you can no longer be manager. And the manager said to himself, What shall I do? Since my master is taking the management away from me, I am not strong enough to dig and I am ashamed to beg. Aha, I have decided what to do so that when I am removed from management, people may receive me into their houses. So, summoning his master's debtors one by one, he said to the first, how much do you owe my master? He said, a hundred measures of oil. He said to him, take your bill and sit down quickly and write 50. Verse 7, then he said to another, and how much do you owe? He said, a hundred measures of wheat. He said to him, take your bill and write 80. Verse 8, the master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. For the sons of this world, Jesus is the one speaking now, are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it, fo- it fails, they may receive you into eternal dwellings. One who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? In verse 13, no servant can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and, and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Verse 14, the Pharisees, who were lovers of money, heard all these things. And they ridiculed him. And he said to them, You are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. For what is exalted among men is an abomination in the sight of God. Let's just pray. Lord, it is true that you are the one who provides for everything we need. And we know that you've also made us stewards Lord, of the provision that you give us and you've called us to be able to multiply it even more. And so I'm praying, Lord, that our hearts would be in the right place as we continue to serve you as stewards of the wealth you entrust to us in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Amen. Go ahead and take your seats. Again, welcome everyone. You know, as we, we've talked about, ito po yung napansin ko, no? as we've talked about finances, na, I, I, I saw that people are actually more engaged <laughs> during the message. That's interesting because I think that applies to all of us. All of us to a certain degree. Money is like a very big thing to us. We need it every day. We wish we could have more of it. We never come to the place that we really think we have enough of it. And then when, when it, uh, and then as it continues to grow, sometimes it can be a blessing. At other times, it can also be a source of anxiety and worry. And for the past uh, two weeks, as we talk about thinking outside the box, we were telling, we, uh, you know, part of the message was this. Instead of just thinking about the money, we got to think outside of that. Outside of that, when we, say, we, when we say outside of that, we're talking about the pursuit of wealth, right? That we, you know, tayo, as we pursue wealth, and the tendency in pursuing wealth is to depend on wealth and to look to wealth to be able to secure your future and to be anxious when you don't have enough of it. And to be worried, and, and to be worried when it's going lower than before. That's the tendency when we pursue wealth. And part of the purpose of this conversation is to turn us from looking at financial freedom as the goal, but rather financial peace and true prosperity. Financial peace. You're able to be diligent and faithful in the way you manage your finances, in the way you earn your finances, coming from a place of peace. Knowing that the Lord, it, He is the source of all of our, of our wealth. And the Lord who secures your future. And even if you don't have much now, you can trust in the Lord's prosperity. And then we define prosperity as having what you need, when you need it, which was exactly the life of Jesus. He had what He needed, when He needed it. And when He needed to be a blessing to the 5,000 people, He had enough to be able to bless the 5,000 people with food. So instead of using the word pursuit, we'd like to be able to rephrase it. Wealth is not anxiously pursued, but added. So apparently, the idea is in fact to stop pursuing wealth, which is so elusive, to stop pursuing financial freedom as the source of your security for the future. Because that whole idea of pursuit, that whole idea of seeking, carries it with it the idea of worship. Worship. Instead, continue to be faithful to God. Last week we learned, seek God's kingdom. Seek His righteousness. So instead of seeking after all these things, seek God's kingdom. And as you seek God's kingdom, wealth, provision, abundant prosperity will be added to you. Wealth is not anxiously pursued. It is added by God. And there is more where that came from. There's more where that came from. Going back to the passage now, Luke 16 verse 1. Uh, the story, uh, Jesus tells this parable. He said, he also said to the disciples, there was a rich man who the manager and charges were brought to him that this man was wasting his possessions. Now, Jesus starts out by giving that idea of wasting possessions. Now, we have different ideas when it comes to wasting possessions. For example, when you save, when you're thrifty, when you're, uh, uh, when, when you're able to save on a monthly basis, that's, we, we, you know, our perspective is that that's not wasting possessions. But when you swipe all the time with your credit card, when you do impulsive shopping, when you eat out all the time, 
when you uh, just, you know, spend it here and there without thinking about the cost or about planning for the future, that's sort of wasting possessions. When you invest in the right places, the right money market instruments, the right, uh, whether that be mutual funds or stocks or foreign exchange or even Bitcoin, you know, we would think, oh, that's not wasting possessions because you're investing them and you're making money work for you and money is growing for you. So our usual tendency when it comes to wasting possessions is the idea of saving it, not wasting it, and then investing it, not wasting it, instead of just consuming it or just spending it, which is possibly wasting it. Is that how Jesus thinks or perceives the idea of waste? Because there will be times that God will tell you to give a lot away and it's not a waste at all to Him. And there will be times that God may speak to you that you're saving too much. You're putting too much of your heart into the finances and saving for the future such that you're becoming a miser. You know, sometimes we say thrift, being thrifty is a virtue, but, you know, it could go to the point that you're already a miser, kuripot, in other words, such that you're not even spending, you're not even generous on yourself, you're not even generous on your family, when in fact, you're so abundant, supposedly. And, you know, we, you're, all of it is just for saving, saving, and saving. So the idea of wasting your possessions, what we think about it may not necessarily be what Jesus thinks about it. You remember that, uh, you remember that woman who broke an alabaster jar of perfume on Jesus' feet. In other accounts, on Jesus' head. The rest of the disciples said, that was a waste. And then Jesus said, no, she did a beautiful thing for me. So magandang mapag-isipan, just a side note, that the idea of wasting your possessions of how Jesus views that might be different from the way we view it. And then the master said, he called to him, he called him and said to him, what is this that I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management for you can no longer be manager. He was fired from his job. And so this is where the story, the plot thickens. So here's the manager, the, the, uh, the steward, and he was thinking, paano to? Ano mangyayari sa akin? He said to himself, what shall I do? Since my master is taking the management away from me, I am not strong enough to dig and I'm ashamed to beg. I was actually surprised that those were two, his two immediate, you know, uh, like go-to solutions. Either to dig or to beg. And I realized many of us actually live that way. This man lived without margin. He lived without financial margin such that when his, when his monthly or weekly income ends, he no longer eats. I mean, he's a manager. He's probably a bit wealthier than usual, right? But apparently, he's spending it all. And he does not even have savings, not even, to, not even a house. Apparently, his house is on loan. Because when he loses his job, he no longer has a house to go home to. How many of us actually in that time, many, so many people live exactly that way? They're up to their neck in debts and loans. Such that, and they're, in a sense, mortgaging the future. Trusting that, I will have a job naman. And then, well, all of a sudden, you lose your job. Then, all of a sudden, you lose everything also. No financial margin at all. Now, that's something to also think, think through in terms of how we manage our own finances. Verse 4, I've decided what to do. So that when I'm removed from management, people may receive me into their houses. So, you know what he did? He did magic. 
in the books. <laughs> and uh, many people do that too, right? You, uh, people have two books when it comes to businesses. You have the book that you actually file to the BIR and you have the book that you cook. <laughs> you know, that book is a separate one. It's the real one. It actually, co it contains the exact accounting of your business, but the one that you submit to the BIR, to the Bureau of Internal Revenue, uh, it's different. The manager was actually doing the same thing. Now, some, some, some comments, uh, some, some, uh, some historical comments on this say that it's, the, it's usually the task of managers to also put a cut on top. It means that they're actually earning over and above what the owner is asking for. Which means, apparently, you know, the, the story goes like he halves the number of, the number of you know, uh, oil, sorry, measures of oil. And then the second one, the bushels or the measures of wheat. So he's able to adjust them because that's like his cut anyway. <laughs> Yun yung kanyang kita. So nilet go niya na para magkaroon siya ng kaibigan. So that's exactly what he did. He, he, um, he, he says there, how much do you owe my master? He said, a hundred measures of oil. He said to him, take your bill, sit down quickly and write 50. He said to another, how much do you owe? He said, a hundred measures of wheat. He said to him, take your bill and write 80. Why the difference? Why the other one is uh, 50. 50 is like the cut. <laughs> uh, well, for the second one, it's 20. Actually, both of these amount to around 500 denarii. The amounts, the discounts that the, that the manager gave. 500 denarii is like a soldier's wage for around 16 months. That's a big amount. Ganun kalaki kumita. Itong si manager na ito. Malakas kumita. Which actually tells us, hey, he didn't even have enough savings for like six months emergency buffer fund. That's part of sound uh, financial planning, right? Such that if you lose your job, you could still live for another six months uh, without necessarily, you know, not, not being able to feed your children. This guy apparently earns a lot, but he does not even have that. So he's not only dishonest, he's also wasteful. <laughs> dishonest in the way he handles his money, his master's, possessions, he's also wasteful in his own uh, managing of his personal finance. This is a bad place to be in. In fact, part of my question would be this. How many of us, and you don't need to raise your hands, are actually in such a place? You're actually earning much, but you're not able to manage it well. Such that you have no financial margin, you're up to your neck in debt, and there's anxiety and worry that weighs on you. That will be another conversation altogether. <laughs> but it would be good to actually draw wisdom that, hey, oh, so that actually happens even in biblical times. It also happened. Now, when the, mass, uh, when the steward, when the manager did that magic with the books, it's amazing, this comment, and it, it still bothers me today. The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. I mean, what? Why would, you, why would the master commend the manager? I mean, he'd be fired twice. I'd even, I'd, I'd even sue him. That's what I'd do. Diba? Parang, ano ba yan? Antindi nito ah. Hindi mo na, winaste mo na yung possessions ko dati, tapos ngayon, ninanakawan mo pa ako. Wow naman. But the master commended. Now, the master, and this is how I came to understand this passage better, the master did not commend the dishonesty. But he commended the prudence, the shrewdness, 
the apparent wisdom. Dishonesty is dishonesty. But in this particular situation, Jesus would give the summary. Uh, For the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. Jesus would give the idea that, hey, the manager was dishonest in his ways and that's still dishonesty and of course that's still wrong and there will be accountabilities to that. But the shrewdness of learning to use worldly wealth, not just for myself, but for something else. I'll say that again. Using wealth, not just for myself, but for something else. That's the wisdom. That's the prudence. That's the shrewdness that the manager did. And that is what, was, that, that is what he was commended for. In fact, I want to ask this question now. So then, what is the purpose of wealth? If Jesus, and the, you know, in that parable, commended the idea that you don't just use your wealth for yourself, just for your own selfish gain and selfish ends, but rather you use it for something else outside of who you are. And in this particular case, we'll hear Jesus in a while, to make friends. That was what he used, to make friends. So then what is the true purpose of wealth? Something for us to be able to think through. And I think the rest of the passage will be able to shed light on that. At least now we understand the purpose of wealth is not just for your own means. Not just for your own needs. Wealth has to be used for something outside of you. I'm not asking you to not be generous to yourself. I'm not telling you to not be generous to your children. There is purpose in the provision that God gives you. He gives you the fruit to eat. But the Lord also gives you that whole thing, not just for you to eat everything. Not for you to eat everything. You know, in the Proverbs, it would say this, in the house of the wise are stores of choice food and oil. But the foolish man devours all he has. So apparently it is folly to just consume everything that's given you, assuming that, oh, this is all for me, myself, and I. Apparently, there is purpose to the wealth that's beyond you. Uh, Let's go to that now. Jesus would now respond and say this. And I tell you, and this is like, and this is like uh, him saying, and this is the lesson. Ito yung dahilan. This is the moral of the story. And he says, listen, and I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth or worldly wealth or wo- wealth in this world. And so that when it fails, it's, a, it's almost like Jesus is saying unrighteous wealth, worldly wealth, of course it will fail. Of course it will fail. You put your trust in, in worldly wealth, of course it will fail. There will be a time it will not be enough. It could be taken from you. And in fact, that puts us in a perpetual anxiety that what we have amassed would lessen or would even be taken away from us. Forex, that whole idea of foreign exchange and the way it's very volatile, uh, people earn when the foreign exchange rates differ, right? People earn, people lose money also. Now, the idea of when, when we think about the volatility of the financial markets, you realize, yeah, you're right. My, my money was of this much value a while ago, five minutes ago. And then in just a turn of events, it could be this much value already. It's because that's really just how foreign exchange works. And then it could be higher tomorrow. We don't really know. But it could also be like this uh, the following day. You know, we told of the story of the Bitcoin fiasco uh, last week. And, you know, you understand how could 
how could your $32 billion be worth almost just $900 million in a day? How could that happen? Because that's exactly what it is. Worldly wealth, it fails. It fails. It will fail you. So that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. Right here, you're given, we are given an insight of, ah, okay, so that's the purpose of wealth right there. Jesus is saying, you make friends. That's part of the purpose of wealth. But the ultimate purpose of wealth is something that is to be used for eternity. He says, so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. This does not mean, this does not mean, oh, you need to use your wealth so that you can go to heaven. We had that in the past already. The indulgences in history was a testament to that. You need to pay your way to be able to get into heaven. But we understand now that getting to heaven is by the sacrifice of God's only son, Jesus Christ. Such that anyone who would believe in Jesus now is forgiven of his sins and is reconciled to the Father. And today, that person begins to have the assurance of eternal life. So we understand that. Salvation comes by Jesus alone, not by paying for it. But so what does this passage mean in relation to wealth? Let me propose this first idea that wealth is to be used in light of eternity. Because worldly wealth fails. It is to be used in light of eternity. In fact, if you only use it in light of this world, in light of this current, in, in, the, in light of this current time, you're actually, we could actually be, uh, how do you call that? The first, the, the same issue that Jesus said at the beginning. We could be wasting our possessions because you're only using it for worldly purposes. You're only using it for worldly means. So if your finances, if the plan for your finances, what, when I say plan for your finances, let's talk about your budget. So you begin with your budget, 10% tithe, Maybe 2, 5, 10% giving. Some of you give 20%. Amazing. Awesome. The Lord bless you. You are super duper. Uh, thank you. And then after that, some of, some of you a lot say savings for the family, whether that be for, for a future house, a future car, vacations, or any family matters. And then after that, that's the only time that you set apart for your finances. In fact, some of you, Actually do that. Get to do that. You live at around 60 to 70% only of your finances. You're actually in a good place. When I say 60 to 70, I said 10% tithe. Let's say 10% giving, 10% for your savings and family. Actually, a good rule for savings is 20%. That's the idea. During Joseph's time, he set apart 20% of all the produce and it prepared them for the seven years of famine. So let's say, I'm talking ideal, ideal terms here, right? So you're act you actually live only out of 60% of your income? Yep. That's actually possible. I actually know of people who do that. Uh, maybe it's because they have so much money. No, 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 no. We're talking percentages here, not amounts. It's not because they have so much money. In fact, they started it when they had little so that they still be, would, be, they would not be too intimidated when they need to give 100,000 as tithe to the Lord. You know, they started giving when it was just 100 pesos. So, so looking at that, you realize, hey, okay, that's actually a good way of budgeting your, your finances. Because in, the, in light of that, you're budgeting your finances in light of eternity. Tithing is like, a, it's like a, uh, your covenant with the Lord. Your covenant telling God, Lord, 
all of this comes from you. And because of that, God, I, you know, I want to return it back to you, Lord. And I want to, I want to give back my tithe to you because this is my covenant with you. My covenant, and you find this in Malachi, it's all your covenant of provision. It's your covenant of protection. The covenant of provision says, and I will open the floodgates of heaven. The covenant of protection says, and I will rebuke the devourer on your behalf. So that your crops will not fail. Your sources of income will be protected. So that's like your, your, your covenant with the Lord. Your tithe. Mm, your thinking in light of eternity. Then giving. Why are you giving? Because I recognize that the Lord has blessed me. Now, I know I don't have enough. I don't have abundance. I don't have so much of that. But I still would like to be able to give. You know why? Because this advances God's kingdom. This helps another person. And it's also my way out of poverty generosity is your way out of poverty. If you're going to wait for when you're already earning a lot before you begin to give, then you probably won't even get there to begin with because the way out of your lack, the way out of your poverty is generosity because in the Proverbs it would say, he who gives to the poor lends to the Lord and he will repay. He who gives to the poor lends to the Lord and he will repay. So here, here you are, you're giving to the poor, you're helping someone else. Hey, that's great. You're using it in light of eternity. In fact, you're giving and you're gaining friends. Just like the shrewd manager. And then you have set apart another percentage for your family and for your abundance. Hey, that's biblical. The, you know, in, I, I'm not too sure about where in the New Testament, but it says there that the Lord abundantly provides for your enjoyment. So here you are. You're saving up for your family. And you're, you know, it's part of, part of it would be, Lord, for us to be able to, you know, to at least enjoy ourselves also and to prepare for my children's future, for their college fund, and for our own uh, home and our own car eventually. So you're using things in light of eternity. Did you catch that? The way you manage your finances. Now, many of us don't even have that kind of budget at all. Because when it comes, all of that would have to be brought to a credit card. 100% to the credit card. Lord, pasensya na God. Utang muna, Lord, yung tithe ko this month, ha? Lord, kasi Lord, kailangan kong bayaran yung credit card, eh. Yun. Medyo mahirap yung kalagayan na ganyan. And maganda tong ibalik sa atin ng tanong, are you using what God has provided for you this month in light of eternity? In light of the things that matter for eternity. Then, then, then Jesus would describe, one who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. I want to give this. Um, I want to give this next. Uh, this next verses a quick one for us. Then Jesus introduces the idea of faithfulness. The idea that if you have little, then this is the time to begin to be faithful. Oh, I don't have much yet. I'm still in poverty. Then that's okay. You begin to tithe. You begin to give. You begin to be generous. You begin to trust God. You begin to uh, to pay for someone else's victory weekend. You invest in this person as you meet in McDonald's because you're going to do one-to-one with that person. You invest, you you give uh, maybe just 100, 200 pesos to be able to help with your relative, you know, just you know, out of compassion and so on. If that's the only thing that you can afford. The point is, even when it's just little, you're already faithful. You're already faithful. Which brings us to the second idea. In your use of wealth, be faithful to its purpose. In your use of wealth, be faithful with its purpose. Faithful with, Lord, where do I bring it? Lord, I bring it back to you. Lord, I am generous to other people. Lord, I am generous to my family. And Lord, Lord, only after that do we do our monthly expenses and so on. 
in your use of wealth, be faithful to its purpose. God called you to be faithful, even with a little. And the more faithful you are with a little, the more that God will entrust you with much. In verse 11, if then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth. So what are the little things that Jesus would, you know, what are the things that Jesus would consider the little that you have at the beginning? He would talk about unrighteous wealth. He'd say, itong unrighteous wealth that you have, that's little compared to the heavenly wealth that is stored up for you uh, someday for the rest of eternity. So if you're not faithful with worldly wealth, I couldn't entrust to you much of the divine wealth that I have prepared for you, Sana. In addition to that, if you've not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? Meron ka pa bang hiniram na hindi pa binabalik? Meron bang pinahiram sa'yo na hindi mo inalagaan? And as a manager, you're working, right? There's an owner of the company. You're like a supervisor or a manager or maybe even part of the D-suite and the C-suite. You know, like the, the CEO and all that. But it's only been entrusted to you. It's someone else's possessions. Are you faithful? Are you faithful with the office supplies that you do not bring home? Are you faithful with the time that office pays you but you do under time all the time? <laughs> Are you faithful with the little, someone else's possession, someone else's property? Yeah. Verse 13, Jesus concludes with this. No servant can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. Which now brings us to this conclusion. In your use of wealth, be loyal to its source. Jesus would encourage us that the use of wealth should be in light of eternity and there has to be a lot of faithfulness and a lot of loyalty. Faithfulness in the use of wealth, loyalty to Him who gives it. Because I seek not, it's not wealth that I seek and pursue. I seek God and His kingdom and then He adds wealth to me. He adds provision to me. And then the contrast with the Pharisees. The Pharisees who were lovers of money heard all these things and they ridiculed him. And he said to them, You are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. For what is exalted among men is an abomination in the sight of God. And here Jesus brings us back to the heart issues of wealth. You see, you're very wealthy now. And you're really doing good in your job, in your business, in the things that you own. You really have nice clothes. And man, your shoes... You know, you have so many shoes, you can't even use all of them in a month. But I'm not sure God is impressed. Because what is honored among men could be detestable in God's sight. Our signature clothes, our signature stuff, and uh, the things we're able to brag about. And I'm saying, that's the, uh, I, I'm saying that to us with, with much fear and trembling because... Everyone has that kind of tendency. Apparently, God may not necessarily be impressed. So what is God impressed with? What is God impressed with? That in our use of wealth, we are faithful to its purpose and we are loyal to its source. That Lord, I'm seeking your kingdom. I'm worshiping your kingdom. I'm worshiping you. I'm not seeking after or pursuing wealth to the point that I'm already worshiping it. Rather, Lord, as I seek your kingdom, I trust. I'm no longer anxious. I trust. I do, not, I do not worry because all these things will be added to me. Just as you promised. And so God, as you give them to me, 
I use that wealth in light of eternity. The things that matter for eternity beyond this life. And Lord, I shall be faithful with the little. And I shall be loyal to you, the source of all that provision. This has been the Victory Center Rosa podcast. To see more church updates, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Victory Santa Rosa.